Chapter Nineteen of the House of Whispers by William Lacroix. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Shows Gabrielle Defiant. Gabrielle crossed quickly to one of the long windows, which she unbolted and flung open, expecting to hear the shrill whirr of the burglar alarm, which every night Hill switched on before retiring. My dear little girl, exclaimed the man, smiling as he strolled leisurely across to her with a cool, perfect unconcern, which showed how completely he was master. Why create such a beastly draught? Nothing will happen, for I've already seen to those wires. You're a thief, she cried, drawing herself up angrily. I shall go straight to my father and tell him at once. You are at perfect liberty to act exactly as you choose, was Flockhart's answer as he bowed before her with an irritating mock politeness. But before you go, pray allow me to finish these most interesting documents, some of which, I believe, are in your very neat handwriting. My father's business is his alone, and you have no right whatever to pry into it. I thought you were posing as his friend, she cried in bitter protest, and as she stood with both her hands clenched. I am his friend, he declared. Some day, Gabrielle, you will know the truth of how near he is to disaster, and how I am risking much in an endeavor to save him. I don't believe you, she exclaimed in undisguised disgust. In your heart there is not one single spark of sympathy with him in his affliction, or with me in my ghastly position. Your position is your own seeking, my dear child, was his cold response. I gave you full warning long ago. You can't deny that. You conspired with Lady Hayburn against me, she cried. I have discovered more about it than you think, and now I openly defy you, Mr. Flockhart. Please understand that. Good, he replied, still unruffled. I quite understand. You will pardon my resuming, won't you? And walking back to the open safe, he drew forth a small bundle of papers from a drawer. Then he threw himself into a leather armchair and proceeded to untie the tape and examine the documents one by one as though an eager search of something. Though Lady Haven may be your friend, I am quite sure even she would never for a moment countenance such a dastardly action as this, cried the girl, crimsoning in anger. You come here, accept my father's hospitality, and make pretense of being his friend and adviser, yet you are conspiring against him, as you have done against myself. So far as you are concerned, my dear Gabrielle, he laughed without deigning to look up from the papers he was scanning. I offered you my friendship, but you refused it. Friendship? She cried in sarcasm. Your friendship, Mr. Flockhart. What, pray, is it worth? You surely know what people are saying, the construction they are placing upon your friendship for Lady Hayburn? The misconstruction, you mean, he exclaimed airily, correcting her. Well, to me it matters not a single jot. The world is always ill-disposed and ill-natured. A woman can surely have a male friend without being subject to hostile and venomous criticism? When the male friend is an honest man, said the girl meaningly. He shrugged his shoulders and continued reading, as though utterly disregarding her presence. What should she do? How should she act? She knew quite well that from those papers he could gather no knowledge of her father's affairs, unless he held some secret knowledge of the true meaning of those cryptic terms and allusions. To her they were all as Hebrew. Only that very day, Monsieur Goslin had again made one of those unexpected visits, remaining from eleven in the morning until three, afterwards taking his leave and driving back in the car to Octeridar Station. 
she had not seen him but he had brought from paris for her a big box of chocolates tied with violet ribbons as had been his habit for quite a couple of years past she was a particular favorite with the polite middle-aged frenchmen her father's demeanor was always more thoughtful and serious after the stranger's visits business matters put before him by his visitor always it seemed required much deep thought and ample consideration some papers brought to her father by goslin she had placed in the safe earlier that evening and these she recognized were now in flockart's hands she had not read them herself and had no idea of their contents they were to her never interesting mr flockart she exclaimed very firmly at last i ask you to kindly replace those papers in my father's safe relock it and hand me the key that i certainly refuse to do was the man's defiant reply bowing as he spoke you would prefer then that i should go up to my father and explain all i have seen i repeat what i have already said you are perfectly at liberty to tell whom you like it makes no difference whatever to me and well i don't want to be disturbed just now rising he walked across to the writing-table and taking a piece of note-paper bearing the hayburn crest rapidly penciled some memoranda upon it he was it seemed taking a copy of one of the documents suddenly she sprang towards him crying give me that paper give it to me at once i say it is my father's he straightened himself from the table pulled down his white dress vest with its amethyst buttons and looking straight into her face ordered her to leave the room i shall not go she answered boldly i have discovered a thief in my father's house therefore my duty is to remain here no surely your duty is to go upstairs and tell him and he bent again resuming his rapid memoranda well he asked defiantly a few moments later seeing that she had not moved aren't you going i shall not leave you here alone don't i might run away with some of the ornaments oh yes exclaimed the girl bitterly you taught me because you are well aware of my helplessness of what occurred on that never-to-be-forgotten afternoon of how completely you have me in your power i see it all you defy me well knowing that you could in a moment bring upon me a vengeance terrible and complete it is all horrible she cried covering her face with her hands i know that i am in your power and you have no pity no remorse i gave you full warning he declared placing the papers upon the table and looking at her i gave you your choice you cannot blame me you had ample time and opportunity but i still have one man who loves me a man who will yet stand my friend and defend me even against you walter murray he laughed with a quick gesture of disregard you believe him to be your friend recollect my dear gabrielle that men are deceivers ever so it seems in your case she exclaimed with poignant bitterness you have brought scandalous comment upon my father's name and yet you are utterly unconcerned because as i have already told you your father is my friend and it is his money which you spend so freely she said in a low hard voice of reproach it comes from him his money he exclaimed quickly what do you mean what do you imply simply that among my father's accounts a short time back i found two checks drawn by lady hayburn in your favor and told your father of them of course he exclaimed with sarcasm a remarkable discovery eh i told him nothing was her bold reply not because i wished to shield you but because i did not wish to pain him unduly he has worry sufficient in all conscience your devotion is really most charming the man declared calmly leaning against the table and examining her critically from head to foot sir henry believes in you you are his dutiful daughter pure good and all that 
he sneered. I wonder what he would say if he, well, if he knew just a little of the truth, of what happened that day at Chantilly. The truth? Ah, and you would tell him? You? She gasped in a broken voice, her sweet innocent face blanched to the lips in an instant. You would drag my good name into the mire and blast my life forever with just as little compunction as you would shoot a rabbit? I know. I know you only too well, Mr. Flockhart. I stand in your way. I am in your way, as well as in Lady Habern's. You are only awaiting on opportunity to wreck my life and crush me. Once I am away from here, my poor father will be helpless in your hands. Dear me, he sneered. How very tragic you are becoming. That dressing gown really makes you appear quite like a heroine in a provincial melodrama. I ought now to have a revolver and threaten you, and then this scene would be complete for the stage, wouldn't it? But for goodness sake, don't remain here in the cold any longer, my dear little girl. Run off to bed, and forget that tonight you've been walking in your sleep. Not until I see that safe relocked, and you give me the false key of yours. If you will not, then you shall this very night have an opportunity of telling the truth to my father. I am prepared to bear my shame, and all of its consequences. The words froze upon her pale lips. On the lawn outside the half-open glass door, there was at that moment a light movement. The tapping of a walking stick. Hush, cried Flockhart. Remember what I can tell him if I choose. In an instant she saw the fragile figure of her father, in soft felt hat and black coat, creeping almost noiselessly past the window. He had been out for one of his nocturnal walks, for he sometimes went out alone when suffering from insomnia. He had just returned. The blind man went forward only a few paces farther, but, finding that he had proceeded too far, had returned and discovered the open door. Near it stood the pair, not daring now to move, lest the blind man's quick ears should detect their footsteps. Gabrielle, Gabrielle, my dear, exclaimed the baronet. But though her heart beat quickly, the girl did not reply. She knew, however, that the old man could almost read her innermost thoughts. The ominous words of Flockhart rang in her ears. Yes, he could tell a terrible and awful truth, which must be concealed at all hazards. I felt sure I heard Gabrielle's voice. How curious, murmured the old man, as his feet fell noiselessly upon the thick turkey carpet. Gabrielle, dear, he called, but his daughter stood there breathless and silent, not daring to move a muscle. Plain it was that while passing across the lawn outside, he heard her voice. He had overheard her declaration that she was prepared to bear the consequences of her disgrace. Across the room, the blind man groped, his hand held before him, as was his habit, strange remarkably strange he remarked to himself quite aloud i'm never mistaken in gabrielle's voice gabrielle dear where are you why don't you speak it's too late tonight to play practical jokes flockhart knew that he had left the safe door open yet he dared not move across the room to close it the sightless man would detect the slightest movement in that dead silence of the night with great care he left the girl's side and a single stride brought him to the large writing-table, where he secured the document, together with the penciled memoranda of its purport, both of which he slipped into his pocket unobserved. Gabrielle dared not breathe. Her discovery there meant her ruin. The man who held her in his toils cast her an evil, threatening glance, raising his clenched fist in menace, as though daring her to make the slightest movement. In his dark eyes showed a sinister expression and his nether lip was hard. She was, alas, utterly and completely in his power. The safe was some distance away, and in order to reach and close it, 
he would be compelled to pass the man in blue spectacles now standing puzzled and surprised in the centre of the great book-lined apartment both of them could escape by the open window but to do so would be to court discovery should the baronet find his safe standing open in that case the alarm would be raised and they both would be found outside the house instead of within slowly the old man drew his thin hand across his furrowed brow and then as a sudden recollection dawned upon him he cried ah the window why that's strange when i went out i closed it but it was open open as i came in someone someone has entered here in my absence with both his thin wasted hands outstretched he walked quickly to the safe cleverly avoiding the furniture in his course and the next second discovered that the iron door stood wide open thieves he gasped aloud hoarsely as the truth dawned upon him my papers gabrielle's voice what can all this mean and the next moment he opened the door crying help and endeavouring to alarm the household in an instant flockhart dashed forward towards the safe and without being observed by gabrielle had slipped the key into his own pocket gabrielle cried the blind man you are here in the room i know you are you cannot deceive me i smell that new scent which your aunt annie sent you upon your handkerchief why don't you speak to me yes dad she answered at last in a low strained voice i-i am here then what is meant by my safe being open he asked sternly as all that goslin had told him a little while before flashed across his memory why have you obtained a key to it i have no key was her quick answer come here let me take your hand with great reluctance her eyes fixed upon flockhart's face she did as she was bid and as her father took her soft hand in his he said in a stern harsh tone full of suspicion and quite unusual to him you are trembling gabrielle trembling because because of my unexpected appearance eh the fair girl with the sweet face and dainty figure was silent what could she reply end of chapter nineteen